Wonderful to have open in front of you that part of God's Word, Matthew uh, chapter 1 and 2, and as we come to His Word this day, uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you, the living God, are the speaking God. And on this uh, special holy day, set aside that we might remember the coming of your Son. We pray that He might come again, empowered by your Spirit through His Word, that we might know and discover fresh things in old truths and be transformed by the reality of Christ. Speak to us, we pray, this Christmas day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you notice 2 verse 10, the Magi's response, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Overjoyed. Um, In fact, the word there, overjoyed, doesn't do justice to their reaction. Uh, The original literally reads, and seeing the star, they rejoiced with a joy great and exceedingly. It's clunky, you can see why they went for overjoyed. Um, Another version puts it, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then one Bible expert puts it beautifully, they were deliriously happy. Uh, Deliriously happy. However we put it, um, we could all do with a bit of what the Magi here have. Uh, We all want to be overjoyed. Um, You know, with floods and wars and empty seats at the Christmas table... Uh, We need deep, lasting, bigger joy than just what today offers. A joy that spills over every day. A joy that can't be touched by circumstance. And thankfully we can. That's the truth of God with us. That's our theme this year. That's the reality of Christmas. That in our world, a stable once had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Now the offer of joy not tied to a situation. Um, Like the Magi, we can look to the star and learn um, stars are one of those great symbols of Christmas. Uh, you know, they're in every second ad and commercial. Um, and, and can I encourage you, every time you see a star, just say this to yourself, rejoice that Jesus comes for you. You know, if you see a, a star on top of your Christmas tree, rejoice that Jesus comes for you. Uh, you know, it's dark tonight, you find a place where blue scopes lights don't overwhelm you. Uh, you know, look up and rejoice that, that Jesus comes for you. Uh, Two reasons when you see a star to make you overjoyed. First, the star shines in the darkness. Christ comes to us as we are. Um, The the Magi find this joy that is bigger than their circumstance. And Matthew tells us about visitors who are led through the night. That is, darkness surrounds Jesus' birth. Uh, The events are dark. Uh, Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But 1 verse 19, disgrace and shame hang over her and her child. And after he is born, uh, Jesus is ignored by his nation. You know, the the people he's come to save are in spiritual darkness. No one seems to notice he's even there. They're blind to his importance. Those who do know, those who do notice, are hostile. We see Herod and his court. They bring a a menacing threat to Jesus and all near him. Uh, And 2 verse 3, the the, the Magi is fairly tactless telling. Herod of a a rival rival disturbs him, Uh, you know. He lies about wanting to worship Jesus. Um, he, he's increase, Herod is increasingly paranoid in his later life. In fact, he's killed some of his own children uh, in fear to hold on to his throne. So read on, and he searches to have the Christ killed. That is, Jesus is born into darkness. And it's no different had he been born in Wollongong today. You keep reading in Matthew that theme of darkness. Uh, in chapter 6, darkness describes how we are blind to God's goodness, how we focus on things that, that leave us unsatisfied and empty and self-centered. 
And Matthew 8 and Matthew 22, darkness describes our eternal future if we remain outside the loving presence of God. And Matthew 27, at the cross, the darkness of God's righteous judgment, the judgment that we deserve, falls on Jesus himself. That is, Jesus is born into our darkness, into our shame at not being the people we want to be, we need to be. Our ignorance at not loving God as he has loved us. Our dark desire to do whatever it takes to keep control of our lives. And because Jesus was born into our darkness, we can look at the star and we can rejoice that Jesus comes for you. You know, the star gives a joy that is bigger than your circumstance. It's, it's bigger than the tough times. It's bigger than even your personal failings. The star says that Christ comes to you as you are. He doesn't wait for you to sort your life out. You know, he didn't keep his distance till we fixed the world and made it presentable and put a bow on it and said, here you are, Lord, we've improved it. No, the Christmas spirit is Jesus coming to us as we are, where we are, as one of us, God with us. You know, the joy of being loved apart from our performance. You know, before we are good, he comes to us to do good. Um, J.I. Packer explains it beautifully. He says, the Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob, for the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time and trouble care and concern, to do good to others, not just their own friends, in whatever way there seems need. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that who is rich for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We we can be overjoyed when we see the star that shines in the darkness because it's saying you don't have to fix yourself up. He has loved you in the darkness. God has come to you as you are. That's, That's the joy of Christmas. But secondly, with it, the star points to Jesus. For only Christ can lead us from darkness. See, Jesus is the one the whole world needs. Um, Yes, us here in the building now, but everyone outside this building too. We all need him. And and we're meant to get that. All creation here in this account points to his value. So the spiritual realm of the angels come that they might explain him. And the vast expanse of the physical realm. You've got this star, thousands of light years beyond our atmosphere. It's highlighting him, landing on the one spot, saying, here he is. You've got magi who are travelling from the edge of their known world. That is, the far limits of creation are coming together, pointing in on the one, saying, we need Jesus. We need what only Jesus can do for us. And what can he do? Well, the angel tells Joseph that he's a saviour. Uh, 1 verse 21, give him the name Jesus. You know, the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. That is, God comes to fix the mess that our distorted loves created and pay that moral and spiritual debt that you and I could never pay. And, And God's word declares he's divine. So verse 23, verse 23, you call him Emmanuel. Call him God with us, that God has come, that he might comfort and strengthen us through life's hardship and not keep distance. And the star points to him as king. 2 verse 2, the one born king of the Jews. Um, Christ comes as the one who knows best how to run this world and even more how best to run your own life. And the learned scholars say he's a shepherd. 2 verse 6, uh, the promised one, a shepherd, a ruler to shepherd my people. Um, only Jesus can lead you safely through this life into the joy of eternity. Saviour, divine, king, shepherd, uh, in our world, a stable once had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. 
The star points us to Jesus and it fills us with joy if only we'll see him because he is the one you need. I need, all need. And the Magi's gifts capture his life well. Uh, they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. Um, it fulfills God's promise that those who were furthest from God would bring him their best. So in Isaiah 60, the nations, they, they will leave the darkness and shower the light with gifts. And tradition has made a, a big deal of these gifts. You know, the, the gold to honour a king. The frankincense, which burns with a, a sweet odour for ritual prayer to honour a god. The myrrh, a perfume used to embalm dead bodies, pointing to Jesus' sacrificial death for sinners, death for us. So when we look, you see the star, and what does it say? Rejoice. It reminds you Jesus has come for you, that God has held nothing back. He has given you, he offers you all you need. That he gives himself totally to bring us out of darkness. Now, the writer of the Narnia series, C.S. Lewis, he describes God's self-giving like a pearl diver. Um, he says, God, God comes down, down from the, the heights of absolute being, down into time and space, down into humanity, down into the very roots and seabed of the nature he created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. He says here, one may think of a diver, first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanishing, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through the increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back to colour and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing he went down to recover. He and it are both coloured now that they have come up into the light, for down below where it lay colourless in the dark, he lost his colour too. Do you get the beauty of all that's going on in that image? You know, Jesus um, considers you precious. Uh, Isaiah 62 promises um, that, that the, the, the rejected people of God would actually be called sought after, the one who were desired, precious enough that God himself would lose his colour for, that he, he went through the darkness, even the darkness of death for you and me. And those he lifts up from the darkness, he lifts up that we might share his glory, his colour. For only Christ can lead you and me from darkness, and he is glad to do it. That's what we remember at Christmas. We look at the star and we rejoice that he has come for us. You know, that's why in Isaiah 52 that Lauren read earlier, um, calls how beautiful are the feet of those who bring God's news, the announcement of God's salvation. You know, feet are the filthiest part of, of a person, a messenger in sandal days, and even their filthiest part is beautiful when they bring such good news. If we grasp it, if we see the star this Christmas day, um, two ways that we might share the Magi's joy. And to have a joy that actually lasts beyond Christmas, um, search and worship. The first is there, search for Jesus. Knowing Jesus brings unfading joy. See, the Magi are not content to know about Jesus. They want to experience with him. So the Magi... Uh, would have known about the possibility of this king. Uh, an historian of the day, Suetonius, wrote, throughout the whole of the East, there had spread an old and persistent belief. Destiny had decreed that at that time, men coming forth from Judea would seize power and rule the world. That is, the Magi knew about it from uh, what they had been passed on. He, he's, but the Magi are also serious studiers of the planets. And in their culture, astrology was how you made sense of the world. Uh, and in 2 verse 2... Uh, they saw the king's star rising in the east. Uh, modern astronomers have studied this claim in, in ancient Babylonian astrology. 
uh, Jupiter representing the king, Saturn representing the Jews, the constellation of Pisces signified Palestine, and this, this unusual conjunction of planets occurred historically around the time uh, that historians placed Jesus' birth. That is, the Magi were searching for the stars, and God used their system, their searching, uh, so that when they saw a star rising in the east, this particular formation, they knew a king had come. But knowing about the king wasn't enough. They weren't content to go, oh, that's great, the king has come. No, they wanted to experience him. And that was a huge effort. Uh, and it contrasts really strongly, doesn't it, with the scribes and teachers of the law who we meet. They knew from the Bible exactly where to find Jesus, and they couldn't be bothered to travel the 10 kilometres to check it out. You know, they couldn't be bothered going Wollongong to Winuna just to find out the king of the world's come. Uh, it is a warning for us who know this story well. It's not enough to know about Jesus. You've got to search till you meet him. And the search is even easier for us, isn't it? We don't have to go to Bethlehem. No, Christ meets us in his word, the scriptures. He meets us in his church every day, every week. You can experience him. You can find an unfading joy. Uh, Kate is a, a chaplain. Uh, she visits uh, the housebound. And Kate met with a woman uh, whose emphysema and a stroke left her with limited sight and unable to breathe without oxygen. Uh, and they spoke... As they spoke, a lifetime's hurts came out and, you know, uh, so much crying she could barely breathe. And this woman had been to Sunday school as a, a child, it was a long time ago, and Kate gave her a brand spanking new Bible uh, and they read it together and Kate explained forgiveness and this woman was delighted. And she listened intently and she gave herself to Christ and Kate shares, although her physical sight is failing... She's been given new spiritual sight. She is hungry for God's word. See, this woman has what we all can have, a real experience of Christ, a deep, lasting joy that is bigger than circumstance because you know him. She knows Jesus. She shares the Magi's joy, and that's the invitation to us. Search for him and receive an unfading joy. And with that, secondly, worship Jesus. Uh, joy actually increases in giving Christ your best. See, the Magi are clear why they search for Jesus. They're not just searching for Jesus for the sake of it, they search that they might worship him. Uh, that word worship, it's reserved for how you treat a God. Um, Matthew repeats the word so we'd notice. So in verse 2, they seek him for worship. Uh, in verse 8, we're, we're warned of Herod's false promise of worship. And then back in verse 11, when the Magi meet him, what do they do? They fall down and worship. Now, worship is more than singing songs and saying prayers. Worship is treating someone or something as the single most important part of your life. Worship is giving your love and your trust and your service to something or someone. Worship is saying, everything I have is yours, I hold nothing back. That's why an old version of uh, the wedding vows have a couple promise, with my body I worship you. I give my all. Worship is giving you all. It's having Christ as the first and last thought of the day. It is letting him direct your time and your money and your energy and your relationships. Uh, not just Christmas Day, but every day. It's, it's your life showing that you have found the real Jesus, the Saviour, Divine, King, Shepherd. And worship starts with realising we haven't just broken God's rules, we've broken his heart. That, that God doesn't need anything from us, but he wants us. And that's why he gave his all to save us. He came to be with us because he wants us all in glory with him forever. 
enjoying the praise of self-giving, giving ourselves over to the one who gave himself to us. So just as Jesus gladly gave his all for you, your joy actually increases in giving Christ your best. A life lived for him. Uh, the American writer O. Henry, uh, he has a short story called The Gift of the Magi. Uh, and it captures the joy of that giving. Uh, so we meet in that story Della and Jim. Uh, they are poor, young, newlyweds. Uh, they have little to survive, let alone buy extravagant presents. Now, without Jim knowing, uh, Della sells her knee-length cascading brown hair to a wig maker. And as she does, she prays, please God, uh, make him still think I'm pretty. That is, she is giving what she imagines attracts him. She's giving her all. And with the money, she buys a gold chain for Jim to hang his prized possession, this gold watch that has been passed down father, son, father, son, father, son. Um, now, without Della knowing, and I think you can tell where this is going, but uh, Jim has sold that watch that captured his identity, the watch that was his all to buy her some bejeweled hair combs. And so then Della... You know, she had been looking longingly at them in the shop windows, knowing that they were way beyond the price, she could never afford them. And so there they were, Christmas morning, and as they exchanged these seemingly useless gifts, they're, what they're receiving is the ultimate gift. As, as each of them sacrifices gladly and joyously for the other. That, that is the real gift, that is the real joy, as they give their all for, for the other. Henry finishes the story and he says this, Here I have lamely related to you, the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasures of their house. But in a last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that of all who give gifts, these are the wisest. Of all who give and receive gifts such as they are wisest, they are the magi. So here is where we find joy. And not only receiving Christ giving to us, but giving ourselves back to him. That's how we share in the joy, in the worship of Christ. A joy that lasts all the time. For in our world, a stable once had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Be overjoyed this Christmas. Look to the star, rejoice that he has come for you. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, who considered us precious enough that he might give himself totally come into our world humble himself as one of us humble himself again to die the death that we deserve that he might lift us up father we pray that this christmas we might see again what a delight it is to be loved by you that we might experience christ and it'd be our joy to give ourselves to him now and always in his name we pray amen uh, we look to the star, we rejoice. Uh, join with me in response as we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her King.